Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis, a co-host actually, because I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you today, sir? And I just want to ask one small question. It might be a bigger question. Uh, as we go into this on the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, it's the season of creation. It's a confusing mix of a youth Sunday in the Anglican Church. Um, and it's the month of heritage, heritage month in South Africa as well. But so your boy, Jeremiah, we spoke about it briefly. I touched on it just before I hit record, is challenging this week. I want to know from you, I may have asked this before, but this isn't like the call to priesthood kind of question. This is like in the last couple of months, have you been personally addressed by God? <laughs> <laughs> good morning, everybody. And good morning, Lindsay. Uh, good to be with you again. Have I been addressed by God? Yes, personally. Um, can you can you? Pick a point where you will like, speak that to my was heart. the voice of God, yes. You know, um, I think that's the kind of thing when you read um, things like the Lord said to me, uh, you'd find that, uh, you know, how, how did Jeremiah hear that message uh, and that he determined it was God saying it to him and does the, uh, the, the, the the writings of Jeremiah give us enough understanding because when it comes to prophetic the prophetic ministry in the Old Testament um, it is always identified by those very words thus saith the Lord yeah now yeah. now I have had people um, come to me. I don't know if I shared the experience with you uh, uh, broadcasted, um, but if you don't mind me going back to just use that kind of story again, when I was doing a sabbatical leave in, uh, I was in England and um, I was working amongst five churches who were covenanted with each other, not necessarily the same denomination, one of which was a very charismatic um, movement. And at that time, there was this phenomena called laughing in the spirit that apparently when people were prayed for, they would just burst into laughing. And I encountered that in that church. I've, I've never come across that one before. That, that That's an interesting one to me. Yes. And then, of course, in some cases, gold dust uh, was discovered in people's teeth that the dentist verified was not fair uh, by any artificial means. However, this one, I was sitting and my eyes were closed waiting for the service to begin. Um, and the a guy came to sit next to me and said to me, the Lord just told me now that I must tell you to go to church more often. So my question in my, so I said to him, but I do go to church regularly. Now I'm just saying, you know, so people <laughs> mess around in these circles with that. So I believe for my own self is that in, in, in learning how to observe life, in listening to people's stories, my experiences, and my encounter with scripture and, the, and worship, 
uh, I seek to discern what God would be saying out of this for me. What, what's this most striking? And then I ask myself the question, you know, when I do the devotions, what are the things that, why is it that this particular theme caught my attention? Is it because of where I may be in my life at that moment, emotionally, um, intellectually, spiritually, physically, I, I don't know. Or is that just God pointing out to me an important uh, one? So, you know, where I, where I, let me say, do I hear God directly or do I hear God through processing, uh, through reflection, through reading, through discernment of a message, or just being caught by a message, the attention yeah. the message yeah. gives me? And that would be, and you know, one of the things that, that caught my attention this week, for example, was a heading in in the um, a heading in, in in the devotion that I used from Hari Nawan. Uh, God looks at us through the eyes of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one. The other was when when I explored. Let me call it when I explored um, the words and the sentence of uh, Psalm Psalm nineteen verse uh, verse fourteen. I think it is. Uh, which I, words I use regularly when I pray in the vestry before we go into um, service. May the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you. So I was saying, using that a lot in, in vestry prayer. But this text came up with one of the themes. I can't remember exactly what the theme was. And as I kept reading it and I kept, kept exploring and look at why is it that God, uh, the, 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 the author says, first the words of my mouth, then he talks about the meditation of my heart. Yeah. And I yeah. looked at my own experiences. Yeah, sometimes a lot of words slip out of my mouth without necessarily having been in the meditation of my heart. Uh, listen, Jesse Creel is playing for the Springboks um, today. Um, we're obviously recording this on the Saturday, so uh, there's going to be a lot of words coming out of my lips. <laughs> Yes, without you know, without the f- fermenting it in the in in your heart through meditation. Yes, <laughs> and then and and as I explored and read and reread the words, you know, and, and what I was saying got a little deep into the message. Um, I realized that the challenge was be careful what you mean to say, what you wanting to say, and how you say it, and what words you choose, if you haven't thought about it deeply. Because at the end of the day, will it be acceptable to God? If I'm meditating my heart and I want to say something in a context, <clears throat> let's say it was, a, it was an injustice that was done and I can feel anger and emotion within me. And if I just blurted something out, it could worsen the situation. Or if I just meditated and, and, and spoke in gentleness in a volatile situation, what would be acceptable to God? Does righteous anger also exist? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So those are the two things that I thought spoke to my life. But it, is it directly or is it through processing, reflection, prayer, uh, being observant, listening, um, when one then able to capture it? So, um, yes, God spoke to me, but did he speak to me directly, as you said? I think God speaks to me pro- through processing. Okay. Through that could also be described as like just your, your experience, your life experience, because there's one thing that, that struck me over over this week. Like I've, I've been transitioning into this 
interesting phase in my in my journalistic career now where I'm I'm very much an elder statesman amongst the the current active journalists um, technology reporters analysts in the country um, and I found that earlier in my career I was kind of made a name for myself as being quite instinctive in my responses um and and less guarded and and yeah i i I pissed a lot of people off (laughs) with my opinions and now i've i've been characterized as like this really well measured you know thoughtful person and it it's it's just strange that that it, it made it into my like i internalized it uh where Instead of like we were in an interview, I was uh, sharing an a interview with with another journalist yesterday, actually, um, with one of the the kind of leaders of the bigger brands in South Africa, and all of my questions, like I was reflecting on it afterwards, and I was like, wow, I actually took some time to think about that and didn't just respond immediately as the as the person was was speaking and like the point that they made didn't like sync up with my own version of reality um so yeah I, I i still believe a lot of that is up to like life experience and when you're comfortable in in that introspection like a lot of people discount the value of introspection in terms of like your personal development um i believe and it's also like it's written in in the art of war and all of the modern popular like philosophies it's a central tenet of stoic philosophy which i try and and follow loosely um, is that knowledge of self is one of the most powerful weapons like a, a, a warrior who knows themselves is almost indestructible you know and or undefeatable um and then it 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 it, it does lead into you know, what your your boy jeremiah is up to this week um, which is chapter 18, verses 1 to 11. The Lord said to me, go down to the potter's house. So everyone knows the story of the potter's house. Um, there was a book, a religious reflection called The Potter's House, actually, which is quite um, well known, where I will give you my message. So I went there and I and saw the potter working at his wheel. Whenever a piece of pottery turned out imperfect, he would take the clay and make it into something else. Then the Lord said to me, don't I have the right to do with you people of Israel what the potter did with the clay? You are in my hands, just like clay in the potter's hands. If at any time I say that I am going to uproot, break down or destroy any nation or kingdom, but then that nation turns from its evil, I will not do what I said I would. Thus saith the Lord. So there are interesting issues here. Like you know, me and Jeremiah don't don't really get on well <laughs> because there's this constant contradiction. So this is now the full-on daddy god, as as you like to to say, being characterized as like this doting parent, and is now laying down the law. But if you turn on your ways, you know, turn towards the path of righteousness. Like the destruction will not come for you. That's why I was asking, like, has the in the last couple of months has the Lord spoken to you? Has there been a warning? Do you still believe that you need to act a certain way to get the full grace and favor of the Lord? Um, as I said to you, uh, as I said in my response, um, you know, when I look at the the potter's 
Or let me start it this way. When God says go down to the potter's house, mm-hmm. um, sending the prophet into a context to receive a lesson, a message from everyday life. Uh, yes. God, God yes. says God knows what's going on in God's world and what people are up to and so on. Is he the, is he the policeman of the universe? Um, no. I, I hear in that the God's pursuit pursuit of his people god is the is the lover who cannot stop loving mm-hmm. uh, when deserted and rejected and abandoned uh, god's love is just so great that he looks for ways in which to get the attention of the beloved and um, and that god was i mean i i don't know if you've ever read or heard um but the greek i think it's a greek philosopher or poet who wrote the book who wrote the poem the hound of god or was an englishman i don't know an englishman i think no. the, hound of heaven, the hound of heaven um is he he seeks to sniff out his people wherever they are okay. in order to bring them back and so i hear hear um the heart of a lover who cannot will not they not give up on the beloved. Um, that's just how um, magnanimous Desmond Tutu would say mm. is the love of God for God's people. Um, he, Desmond Tutu says he's got a deep bias for his people and so does he ever want to give up on us? No. So now, inspired, uh, inspired prophet goes to listen to what is the next message that could get the people back. And and if you look at the fifth, sorry, the sixth verse, mm-hmm. our, God, our God understands His relationship with the people. You are in my hand, just like clay in the potter's hand. Um, I, I don't know whether you've ever had a spell of uh, being at the potter's wheel and the clay, and you constantly have to keep it spinning, yes. using your hands, making sure that it's wet enough to shape. And more often than not, um, if the image in your mind is as perfect as it may seem, because when I sat there as a trainer, I may have looked at a pot that was made by somebody in professional way, mm-hmm. but actually sitting there and using, taking the, the icon in your mind and transmitting it through your hands to shape the pot, it's a very difficult thing. It comes yes. with much pain. You are in my hands. And what does clay do? Clay is just flopping around. If you don't wait it enough, it gets hard. Yeah. So that process of ensuring it doesn't get hard and it's not too wet that it gets floppy. So the balance between bit ensuring that it's it's not a difficult, it's not an easy process to have. And yet God says, that's how I'm willing to hold you, not drop you, not let go you. You are to, I want to form you, I want to structure you, I want to shape your life in a meaningful way. So in other words, I will not give up on you and I will not allow you to get hard, to harden yourself so much that 
you know, I will have to drop you and break you and destroy you. Yeah. Uh, so that's my my sense of this God wanting to shape with his love this people. Yeah, but the, the, the actual recorded message is pretty harsh. Because it's like, now then, tell the people of Judah and of Jerusalem that I am making plans against them and getting ready to punish them. So here's like, this, this is the, the, the central problem I have with Jeremiah, is this passage is like you seeing, you reading a headline, and you feeling like you reflecting on it and internalizing it and creating a, forming an opinion, forming a, an opinion on life gained from this moment of inspiration. So this homie goes down to the potter's house, right? And he observes things. And now it's been recorded. And this is put into canon that his idea, his interpretation of that is now the word of God. So he's like seeing this potter discard or pick up and reform and do all these things. And he's reading this as like, you know, if we don't change our ways, you know, if these sinners don't come back to the light, you know, we're going to be discarded. And and it's like, really? <laughs> is is God, can, can we as rational human beings in 2022 read this passage and still be naive enough to accept this as the unerring word of God. You know what popped up in my mind? The journalist and his message. Mm -hmm. A journalist as the as the populist as the audience of his message. Yeah. Where does he draw his message from? How does he bring it together? And are there warnings? Are there um, ways in which he tries to steer the mind of his audience to avoid necessary pitfalls that uh, 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 looms in front of us? in our future, if I could put it like that, or in the next step we take, in whatever matter. Mm. Um, so, to I read this and hear God saying, out of love, you know, this kind of a mindset, this kind of behavior you embracing uh, will cause you to fall into this kind of way. So I'm warning you not to go that way. Like a parent would, mm. a child, a parent who knows the experiences of life and sees similarities in the path the child may be choosing and then creates the message of a warning. Um, so I, I hear it like that. I hear the journalist there, Jeremiah, yeah. got the message and I had to produce the message in such a way to get the attention of the readers, his audience, to try and say, uh, this is who God wants to be to you. This is how God, what God sees if you just allow him to shape you. But if you don't do that, then what is left for you to become? And, and 
would that of course be of your own choices? Because look, we do know that this was happening in a time when they were, as it were, thinking the grass was greener on the other side. Yeah. Uh, of course, they observed the, the nations and they assumed, okay, we must be on par with that kind of thing. Mm. Whereas God and in the covenant was saying, I want to make you a holy nation. Mm. Not to be judgmental over anybody else, but as the as the example of the rest of the world and what they need to become. So I and so so the journalist may need to put his message with hard words attached to. Yeah. Uh, because it's a warning. It is it is a game that I'm so concerned about you. I do not want you to to fall and get hurt uh, unnecessarily. So here is my message to you. Mm. It's interesting that you bring up uh, that that kind of point because uh, the theme that you have extracted for for this week is if the land is suffering and youth are excluded, what does it mean when we pray? Grant us the grace to trust you, trust in you with all our hearts. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I did I, I did that a little bit weirdly, uh, but so so here you have uh, at at this time in Jeremiah's time where he is kind of standing in the way of cultural evolution. You know, you have a litany of kings that are ordained by God. You know, you've had, uh, you are still coming to David? Are you still coming to David? No, they passed David. They passed David, they passed David. And David very much outstayed his welcome um, from, like, like, like you look at it from a South African perspective um, right now, where you have a ruling party that is just splintering in front of us. You have opposition that are at literally at each other's throats, um, as Cope showed at one of their conference, or at least one of their media addresses, uh, press conferences this week, this week, um, where, where politicians like just coming to blows with each other. Um, you have in other parts, you have people trying to like cling to this weirdly outdated view of the world where we are not allowed to criticize each other for past transgressions. Um, and we are not allowed to acknowledge uh, our past um, in inequalities and maybe point to how those may have real tangible um effects on our current life um and you have the youth and I'm, I'm i'm not even talking about like how we describe youth in south africa which is pretty much anybody <laughs> under the age of 50 <laughs> in some cases uh, i'm talking about like the proper like like the gen z's even younger like younger than me a generation younger than me um where they've grown up with nothing but turmoil much like the youth in 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 this transitional period uh, in, in Israel at the time, and they maybe have better answers, but here you have a prophet who is like, no, you can't do it that way. This is what I've inferred from God's teachings, and we need to stick to the old ways. We need to go back to something, and in the fullness of time that strategy doesn't play out well for the Jewish people. And then it gets written off as like, no, this was God punishing you. 
And it's like, maybe if you didn't try stop the people from progressing and evolving into something different, like adopting different cultural experiences, drawing from different cultural experiences, drawing from the Persians, drawing from different, like the Egyptians, and folding that into their lives, into their military structures, you know, because at the end of the day, they were conquered by nations that were superior in, with regards to technology, with regards to military strategy. And if they had maybe tried to learn, maybe that wouldn't have been the outcome. It is, you know, I think that uh, maybe that's why I love the Bible so much. <laughs> Because it doesn't give us a perfect picture. Mm. And when we engage its its message through a particular part of the literature that was put together as the canon, it is not giving us easy answers. We've got to grapple through, because I think everything in life is about what does it mean for me? And what does it mean for us? Yeah. And if we were to embrace this particular yeah. way, then what would that be like? You know, the politicians, how many political parties are there in parliament? Oof, too many. <sighs> right. So they're giving this our nation an option to follow their message. But when we get into their message, we realize that we actually need part of the other politicians' message too. Yeah. yeah. The, the good of it. Now, when you when you look at 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 the journey Israel made of, or, and that God made with Israel, you know, I'm not looking for excuses, but I do know from just a little bit of the gleanings from those who had done deeper study to these things that, um, and I, and I think the same is is in our nation. The generation that you and I come from, post pre apartheid, mm-hmm. pre democracy, sorry, democracy. The slave in us takes very hard to die for us to embrace the freedom of true democracy. So we are not fighting for a democracy, we're fighting for a political stance as if that's the only salvation for our nation. Mm. So with everything available to them in the ancient Near Eastern countries where these people were, the difficulty of beginning to shape them as a covenant of people with, with a different mindset of laws that shapes their lives than they were when they through the oppression. But if you don't take the lessons that is trying to build you up and you then choose to, to, to go a different way, there's other consequences to it. There is no doubt in my mind that there was a sense when some of the prophets and the priests were wanting total purity in the nation. I think that's where the apartheid regime got hold of the idea of a special people um, that needed to be protected uh, and, and be 
declared as the people of God over against the others. So I think there's a lot of things over many, I mean, we're never going to grapple fully with, 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 with what the Old Testament message truly announces. We've got to continue working through it. Now, coming therefore to the theme I chose, Part of the experience of the covenant people was when they did not follow God and they sought to follow other nations, there was even destruction to the land, to the crops, Mm. experience of whatever they had chosen worked its way through even to where the land suffered. So there's a land that's suffering. So in the seasons of creation as well. For this for this month of September, it's spring, and so it's a. So we're looking at one of the first themes would be it was is about the land and mm-hmm. humanity. It actually the theme is called the land and Ubuntu. And I and and I said so looking at the the suffering in the land, and then we look at the situation in which the current generations of youth. What did you say? The Gen Z um, yeah. nation. Where, where does the X come in now? Uh, that's the millennial, so that's that's my people. That's <laughs> These are, are if you look at all the makeup of Parliament, the 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 the, the EFF seems to be the party of young people, um, yeah. a youth voice. Um, so so so, and so where do we find young people? Is it forty two percent of all? Young people who are eligible to work or unemployed. Yeah, something um, like the numbers came out last week and it was just crazy. So therefore, if we are to if we are to find a kind of a solution to to bringing salvation to the land and by giving hope to young people, is that found in what we are praying today for grace to trust you? With all our hearts. So we trust who trust God who said to the prophet, go to the potter's house. Help the people to realize through your message they claim my hands. If they allow me to have my hands on them, I can shape them. Can we trust that message? Or are we going to find, are we going to need to find another thing to trust? Do we trust the EFF and their message to make a change? Um, an ANC party that gave hope for us as that liberation movement that would help really work at democracy. Whilst we were looking to the stalwarts who gave us hope, like Madiba, with all their faults, mm. we do not have a close association with the current leadership, except. Cyril is the, amongst all of the, the leaders that they are, Cyril is the one which we may actually find ourselves attracted to because he still has the kind of Madiba thing about him. Yeah. But they've moved on from the gentle Madiba way. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I have a choice to pick up a gun and to, to fight for my liberation and freedom, but I'm choosing not to do that. Yeah. And 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 so will our will our will our hope then shift to will the will the will the hope of the youth will climatic changes so that the land is better preserved for young if we do not save the land today will there be a land for young people tomorrow to plow the fields and scatter? But this is, this is the problem with 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 
with your so the I'm way you're framing it right now. Is trusting in God then the way I'm looking for? And I'm saying yes. Yeah. Um, climate change, all the the problems of the world today. It's not <laughs> the youth didn't create that problem. Yeah. Sure. And sure. there's there's a a large obstacle standing between the destruction that we're seeing now, the situation that we are currently in. The so that obstacle is the ambitions and the ignorance and the stubbornness of older generations that caused the destruction, profited off of it, and want to continue with the status quo. And in many of these stories as well, you get this idea that progression in society. I mean, it comes with, if you walk down an unknown path, you are going to encounter unknown threats. And your response to that is going to be instinctual. It's going to be something you're going to have to make up in the moment. There's no, there's no map for a road you've never walked down. And here you have a group of people, the prophets, who say they have a map. But that map is only of what we already know. And they actively campaign on this message of fear of the unknown, of like, if you adapt your behavior to meet these future challenges, that will result in our destruction because that is moving away from God. And it's like, and it's a realization that I've come to in my own life. It's like, God isn't for the future. The current understanding of God, whichever religion you subscribe to, is based on the past and drags behind innovations that move us into the future. So it's like, it's new, burn it with fire. You know, that's, that's like the response that you get all the time. And and that's the problem I have with, with Old Testament narrative. Interesting that you that you raise that issue because I'm busy teaching a, the adult confirmation group six yeah. young people. The uh-huh. oldest is 37, the youngest is 19. And um, part of my second lesson to them uh, was to go through the first part of the confirmation service. Mm. Now, just like the baptism service, the introduction basically is the same. It reminds us our starting point is Jesus and his death and resurrection. Mm. And then talks about the sacrament of baptism through which we enter into salvation. And I ask the question, does your does our lives need salvation? Or does our life not need any form of salvation? Mm-hmm. 
Because if we, through baptism, has entered into salvation, what does that then mean? Because it does then draw us into this sense of what Jesus had done for us and what we believe uh, Jesus is the God's reveals God who loves us to us. So therefore, it is God acting in our lives. And then I went along the group to ask them their opinions. And it was quite interesting that every one of them said, yes, we do need salvation. Mm. Then um, the next point was, so what is that this thing called salvation? And um, uh, and I mean, it's, it's a huge term even for me mm. to explain um, off the cuff, as it were. Um, but putting together what they said was the important thing for me. Was One guy said it's related to grace for us. The other person said we are sinners that need salvation. The other said there was a sacrifice that was done. Yeah. The other said, yes, we need to have faith to respond to that kind of action. So I explored this with a group of people from varied experiences, aged between 19 and 37. Would 19 still be regarded as the Gen Z, Z um, generation? Uh, yes. So, so, so one, one, so I, I, I thought, you know, I, I mean, I, cause I said out there, God no longer is important to people. This is mm. what I'm picking up, generally speaking. So what are we meant to do about all of this? So I got those responses, which I, you know, it, it warmed my heart to think that without me putting anything into them, I asked the question from what we read collectively mm. and waited for their response, which is in a way my style of mm. teaching. I don't come there assuming people have, have nothing in their minds about it. The subjects yeah. I'm going to raise, yeah. you know what I mean? So, so, so as a priest, do I therefore say to people when we, when part of our tradition is to read the Old Testament in conjunction with the gospel mm. and mm. how it played itself out through the letters written to the churches in the New Testament? And why the church of the second century took the message further with uh, fathers and mothers of the desert um, taking a leading role in proclaiming this message, continually handing it down to generations. Can I still stand up in the face of everything that has happened with the Old Testament and say there's still relevance in this? literature in this story for us to reflect on so that we can find meaning in our time and that God of the Old Testament is still trustworthy enough to have our best at uh, our, to have our best at heart and so what does it therefore mean to actively trust God with all our hearts that we then also are participating in helping the land to recover so that young people of, the, of today and tomorrow still has a future. All of what we are doing these days depend on the land's condition. Yeah. So if it, if it meant something, so, so now if, if you go down to um, 
something that I put into the prayers that, you know, when you raise the whole issue of, but it was the, it is the older generations that have destroyed the land. Um, and, and why, and where has this come in? Why have we been possessed by an attitude of greed and consumerism? Um, I'm not saying that cons to be a consumer is a bad thing because we need stuff. Yes. But this, but we we are they are we are as it were fighting against flesh and blood. If I can put Paul, whoever wrote those words in Ephesians, to the fore, because when we engage in the world, we're engaging with people who are who are so wealthy that they can even pay the debt of of poorer countries. Yeah. Um, I've never been to Dubai, but people are fascinated by the artificial world that it created mm. um, and how electronics and technology are, are a deep focus there. It's as it were becoming the hub of the economic world. Uh, unlike it's the new Wall Street, if one, if I dare to put my, my mouth out there. Or maybe I'm still JSC, I'm not sure. <laughs> Ooh, that is, but, that but is problematic. That for, for us to survive, the fear of survival then ends up in with destruction. Mm. Because I'm fearing I may not have enough. Yeah. And so what path do I then take? Is trusting God enough? To help me survive, uh, is is survive wanting to survive the fear of dying? Mm. It's interesting um, that you bring that up, um, because on our on our tour, I, 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 I was telling you of air. There was a, a Israeli couple on their honeymoon um, when we were doing a tour of the city, and this gentleman, um, one refused to to enter uh, the the blue mosque. Um, on the tour, and and that struck me as strange because I've never read, I've never encountered anything in Jewish culture or teachings that that prohibits them from from immersing themselves in in other cultures. And it's like, dude, also you came to an Islamic country um, on your honeymoon. <laughs> you know? anyway. Very interesting. Yeah, very. Interesting. And and another question he asked um, was like, he was astounded that 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 Natalie and myself were from South Africa. And he was like, but I thought only there were only black people in Africa. Like that was, <laughs> legit. it's not the first time I've heard this thing. And then he was also, he's, he's like deadly, like afraid of heights, like more, like, wow. We went up on the Dubai frame and then there's one section like right at the top where you walk on the glass and the glass it, it um, I forget what the technique is called, but like it, it obscures and then when there's motion over it, then it goes transparent and then you can just see the ground beneath you and it's quite a far way down. Um, and it plays on your mind, but having that fear, like a fear of heights, the fear of death and not having the trust in the human engineering that uh -huh. made that possible. Uh -huh. was okay. was an interesting observation because here you Absolutely. get in 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 the the liturgy for this sunday you get the jeremiah thing right so i brought up all my issues that i have with that 
Then you get this Pauline epistle to Philemon, where, and I've 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 I've, I've expressed my concerns with with the the apostles' carrying of the message post crucifixion or post ascension, where they kind of reverted to type again. They or the then became the modern prophets, where they end up interpreting the message in their own way with their own agendas attached to it. Where in Luke chapter 14, 25 to 33, you get a, a revolutionary Jesus. And this, this, is, this is why I, I enjoy engaging with Christian philosophy, because Jesus came and he wasn't saying, he wasn't preaching this undying faithfulness to God. He was teaching. He was interpreting the message. He was breaking down the assumptions that had been made up until that point and turning it into a message about our interpersonal relationships. All of his founding philosophies were about how we should teach each other as people and not fully based on our relation to God. Here is like whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and he is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. And then he goes on to like the king waging war and like if he sits down and he thinks about it and he can't win that war, then he'll send an emissary to like go negotiate peace and all this stuff. And it's never about this connection to the divine. It's never about divine will. It's all, all of Jesus's messaging. You go to the Sermon on the Mount, you go to all of these messages, and it's all about interpersonal, recognizing the value of people and your relation to the world around you. And then it gets bastardized by everything that comes after he's not there anymore to, to preach his gospel. <laughs> So, so what would you say is the is the is the is his message, which is mentioned a couple of times in here, and which I relate strongly to the Old Testament uh, passage? Cannot be my disciple. Is discipleship therefore not about relationship and following the order that Jesus came to exemplify and call us into? Um, and so through discipleship with him, we have a sense of, I think, the outliving of the, our father when he said um, that you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. Um, so Jesus calls us into the uh, into a life of relationship following him and the way that he that uh, um, he taught about. And it's very interesting when I was doing this confirmation class on Wednesday night, 
that it dawned on me when they were doing the allegiance. Mm. Do you believe and trust in God the Father who made the world? Do you believe and trust in his son Jesus Christ who redeemed humankind? Do you believe and trust in his Holy Spirit who gives life to the people of God? And as I reflected with them to say, let's think about the question before we embrace the answer or response to that question. It's to the person of who God is, as well as to what is associated with that person's action in the world mm. um, that we are called to answer. Do, do, do we believe and trust in, 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 in this person of the Trinity? And what happens when you think about the renunciation? Do you renounce all that is evil, all that rebel against God? And said, I, I renounce it. So when you say, I believe in trusting God, the Father who made the world, I think of the environment. I think of creation. I think of the land. And mm -hmm. if I believe and trust in God who made the world, who created, what is my participation in continuing to make the world a better place, in creating the world, in preserving nature, in ensuring mm -hmm. that it develops? That's relational, and that's what it means for me to be a disciple of Jesus. Mm. Brings me into relationship with God. The mm. one who said to the prophet, tell the people, as you're observing what's going on in the potter's house, you are in my hand. The verse 33 here yes. is like, so therefore none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. And that is... At the center of what made Jesus so revolutionary, because even if you go back, you look at all his interactions with um, the scholars in the temples. You do a cross section of all of that, and it comes down to challenging assumptions. So giving up all your possessions means all of your assumptions and, and those allegiances are based on this bastardized idea of the message. <laughs> it is, it is. It flows from an apostolic idea, which then created the modern church that we have today, that then reintroduced all of these, these contracts that you need to sign like to be a Christian. And it moves away from this idea that is central to Christianity, that is central to, to a belief in God and a belief in God as a creationist God. And, and that is that all people, all, if you believe in the story of creation, all people, every single human who walks this earth is made in the image of God and contains God inside them. There is no other, there is no evil, there is no, there's nothing. It's all just extensions of God, little pieces of God walking around. Almost 8 billion of us. And Jesus comes in and he's like, there is no caste system. There is no hierarchy. Everything is flat. We are all equal on the planet. And we need to embody that by loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Because 
that is also a reflection of how you love God. And you need to cast off all of the other things to truly enjoy that. And then, and then by extension, salvation is available to all and not just those who profess to be disciples. So can I use all of that in my sermon tomorrow? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> because you just preach the gospel now. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I've been set up. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, what else could I say on what you said? And um, because I, I asked when you said, you know, he's coming to say, look, there's, you all created equal fine. And as you were saying that, I said, mm, that Jewish friend that refused to go into <laughs> the temple. What was it his faith? What fear kept him from saying this is a brother and a sister? Yeah. Did my faith teach me that I shouldn't, that I should be afraid to embrace my brother and sister was different to me? Mm. Um, could I not see in there? Yet I look at another brother and I say, now, mm, how am I supposed to look at him? Because the color doesn't go well done with mm. my understanding of what Africa is. So he's really in a dilemma. Was he informed by his faith? Or what else informed him to think that way? Mm. So coming back to this point, giving up all your possessions, which you talked about as assumptions, what informed humanity that assumptions became their way of life? That Jesus had to come and challenge those assumptions and say, you need freedom from this. Because that, holding on to it possessively or allowing it to hold on to you possessively, in, instead of building community, you then create separate islands um, of, of humanity uh, to say they are better than, than the others. So let's break this all down because this is not really going to be uh, a helpful way. And it hasn't been a helpful way. And that if we play, if you make all the, 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 the playing grounds, uh, the, all the playing grounds e equal and, e and even because we were all made in the image of God and therefore we should all be available to uh, share things in life. Why, why, why is this, why do humanity then build assumptions that would assume that I can't go into that mosque because I'm a Jew? Yeah. Whereas I'm a I'm 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 a human made in the image of God together with that human who have embraced perhaps a different set of beliefs, but is my belief saying I can't associate with you? And is that the assumption in religion that the certain set of beliefs will then separate me from you? Whereas I believe as as a Christian disciple of Jesus, redemption. The work of redemption in Jesus Christ, for me, says the work of salvation is completed for everybody. Mm. But like you as a journalist, you are going to hold out the message of the new iPhone that HP had come <laughs> and make your business better. It will save you from losing time. Uh, this aspects that they have, oh, sorry, the apps that they have mm -hmm. on the phone is going to revolutionize your life. It will take your business to the next level. Um, I am sending this message out to you to redeem you 
from the assumption that you've arrived when you had the previous model. Mm. I'm raising your standard of living. I'm allowing you to evolve uh, from the old to the new. Yeah. Um, my question out of all the things I've just said is, what? Why do, why do humanity create assumption and what makes them, what informs them that that should be the way of it? Coming back to my theme, therefore, as, a, as, a, as, a, as the person who's ordained and believes that it's the gospel of Jesus that does make the difference, do I then say, God, give me the grace to continue to trust you with all my heart? Because I believe that's the way to be free from this assumptions and to create a better world so that the land is saved and our young, uh, that the older folk are redeemed from their greed and the assumptions and their fear of, uh, of survival, fear to survive so that our young people can have hope. Our young people was part of today can have hope for tomorrow. Mm. They take the world from us going into the future. And it's strange you had that discussion and you had your counterpoints um, dealing with the Old Testament when you were defending the, <laughs> the, the legitimacy of the Old Testament um, narrative. But it also comes in a liturgy that commissions people to go from this place in peace knowing that we are all new creations in Christ. May you go from this place in joy knowing we are free to serve the kingdom of God and not conformities of the world. And then within those conformities to decouple them from the very license that, that, that you have. Um, and, and, and I know it's, it's, it's difficult because like this is your profession um, and contradictions come with, with the territory. But yeah, all of those those contracts, all of those ordination words that don't flow in the true spirit of what I believe the philosophy of Jesus was. Um, yeah, that that creates major conflict, and this is a conflict that we explore every week. <laughs> well, just to say to you, one of the thoughts I had in response to what you've just said, one of the thoughts I've had is that. Do we read the Old Testament in its completion or is it as readers of generations of the Old Testament, we reading it in a, continu in a continuum? Yeah. It's, the story, yeah. it's the story that has been put together in the canon which you so professionally use in your conversation. Mm. Is mm -hmm. it a completion or is it as read a recall for meaning in current times? Uh, that can help us with where we are. Do we read the Bible as a completed canon uh, of this is what God said from A to Z, and we can just tap into whatever alphabetical number we're looking for and get the, the answer there? I don't. I don't see that. I see it as a, as a, as, a, as, a, as a I'm a reader in a continuum of the grace of God at work through Scripture. And, and its message. So that's the one thing I want to tell you. The second thing, ordination is preceded by 
personal response of faith to Jesus Christ. Um, I was already part of the church before I was ordained. Now, in my in if you would know this probably better than anybody else because we engage on this level. But when I stand at that pulpit, I am so terrified. You know, when I stand at the pulpit to say the Lord be with you and breaking of the bread, it's far more in inverted commas, easier to do that because it's not dependent on my wisdom and my influence. But when it comes to speaking God's message, which, you know, when people come to church, the sacraments message is already there in, in an assumed way. What they're looking for is, what does God say through his word in the readings that we are reading? People come for the message. That is why I, I have a problem when we do not hold together what I would see as the Lucan model of word and sacrament in Luke 24. That's my, that's where I am. That, yeah. That's the model I hold together, the word and sacrament. Uh, whereas many people are buying into this concept of this lone minister who's, who created a prophet so-and-so's ministries, and now he is number one based on whatever he understands the word of God to be, and then tries to enact it out in miracles, yeah. many mm -hmm. of which is now turning out to be fake stuff, according to the research done on them. Um, but at the same time, this man has grown wealthy and bases his wealth on faith. Now, I struggle at that pulpit to say, exactly what i think i was i was i was doing something one day in in the work i was doing as a canon for the diocese in investigation around the breaking of can canon law uh, pastoral standards where we do not use the pulpit as a power base and one person said when explored with him an issue that had risen where it was the abuse of the pulpit I, I asked him, so so is this um, you know allegation true? And he said, when I preach to the people, I only tell them what God tells me to tell them. Yeah. And that was a red flag for me. So so I cannot be in ordination if I didn't first believe, because I've got to believe the one whom I'm seeking to serve through ordination amongst the people of God. And that is Jesus Christ who revealed God to us and who gives us the spirit to be able to, to do that. So I want to conclude, therefore, I've, you said we will talk about the quote, so I'm just going to end my statement today to you, my brother. I found this fascinating and still working through Amy Carmichael's words. And you can see mm -hmm. in the words written there, it comes from a different century. Yeah. <clears throat> Strength of my heart. I need not fail. And I, I, I asked for quotes on trust, right? This is what came up in goodreads.com. Strength of my heart, I need not fail. Not mine to fear, but to obey. With such a leader, who could quell? Those are the words that really struck me. Thou art as thou wert yesterday. Remembering Hebrews' word yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Strength of my heart, I rest in thee. Fulfill thy purposes through me, which brings me to the point of grant us the grace to trust in you.
with all our hearts. I can drive with this. I will allow you <laughs> to redeem yourself. <laughs> wow, what a conversation. I do appreciate you, my brother. I really appreciate the conversation as well. And I appreciate everyone who listens and shares and takes value from from these these podcasts. I mean, it's 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 an incredible journey that 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 we take every week. Um, that allows for a lot of introspection on our side. And you can follow along. Um, you can engage with us. Please reach out across all. I'm sharpshooters on social media. I do respond to a lot of things. Um, so you can hit me up there if you have any questions, any inputs, any any criticisms. I enjoy criticisms. Um, and you know where to reach the good father Rodney. Um, all the choice passages and prayers and stuff are down in the podcast description if you can find it there uh, and you can follow along if you want to um, i know i've been told that people want to see the full like reading and not just the verses that we focus in on um i don't know i don't know <laughs> i don't know about that that one I, I i think it's it's important to to just have um what is being discussed uh, uh, over there because the context is given in, in the discussion. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Father. And I will chat to you next week.